Happy New Year, everyone. I am excited to start the second year of this podcast with you. No idea how long it'll go, but I've been having lots of fun so far, and I still have a pretty significant backlog. Given it's the first weekday of the year, I am in a mood for productivity, and one of the OGs of productivity is David Allen, who invented the system of getting things done. And the GTD methodology actually underlies a lot of the other productivity gurus that are well, maybe better known today. So here's David Allen explaining his own system. But I wanted you to speak, I guess, generally about clearing mental RAM, using this space for thinking only about things once if it's meaningful, and then using the 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 method to be able to clear more space and get more things done because you can have more productive thoughts. Yeah, well, one way to think about this methodology is it produces the condition for you to flourish. And, you know, I love that word flourish. I think it's such a great word. And, and most of the people who've implemented uh, some version of this methodology would say the common denominator of people's positive testimonials is I was able to be present and I, it gave me the freedom to fill in the blank, freedom to write rock music, the freedom to, to use my imagination much more creatively, the freedom to watch my girls play soccer without being on my smartphone, the freedom to be able to be in the kitchen when I want to play there. So a lot of it is about creating that kind of uh, space to be able to be free to do wherever you want to put your attention and wherever you want to put your, your, your energy. So that's the, that's the essence essentially of what you're after here of getting that kind of room inside your psyche and stop using your, you know, your psyche to try to do things that it just, as I mentioned before, doesn't do very well. So your mind doesn't have one. If it did, it would only remind you of things when you could actually do something about them when that'd be useful to be reminded. But your mind is like this wild monkey <laughs> it's just running loose inside of there and it'll wake you up at three o'clock in the morning and beat you bloody about something you can't do anything about while you're lying in bed, you know, which is not very smart. And, you know, to your point, too, Richard, you mentioned earlier, most people actually do versions of this already. So when people say, well, gee, David, you're getting too organized or you have too many lists or you have too many categories. And I say, well, if you don't think lists work very well, do you use a calendar? Sure. Well, then don't be intellectually dishonest. Throw it away. If you think your mind can manage that, <laughs> but the complexity, as you mentioned before, of our life is out way beyond how many things are on your calendar. So just the fact that, gee, I, I now can use these tools to be able to offload that job of the psyche, to be able to free it up, to then be able to take advantage of my intuitive intelligence, be able to take advantage of being more creative, more innovative, more loving, more peaceful, more whatever the heck it is that you want, that you would consider the golden goodies of your life. A lot of people know how to do that. You know, in a lot of the corporations that I'm in, there's all kinds of leadership programs. And those are all fine and good. But most people I know that are in those programs I go, I know how to do that. I know how to mentor. I know how to. I just don't have time. I don't have the space. I don't have any bandwidth to do that. So one of the, you know, the, one of the best things you can do in terms of your ability to be a, a leader is to make sure you've got clear space. And also, that's also going to engender trust. So, you know, if you're going to lead me, I want to trust that if I toss something to you that I think is potentially relevant information, that you're not going to lose it or fall through the crack. Absolutely, because it, it puts your mind at rest, at ease. And this comes back to the, the value of clear space, because I find, the, the, for instance, my email inbox, most people do still get email, uh, and a lot of people I know have uh, you know, many, many thousands of emails in the inbox, and they haven't discovered creating folders and, and being organized. But uh, the, the serenity you get from having 
your email at zero, knowing that things are either in process or scheduled or, or whatever it needs to be to put your mind at rest is invaluable. And what I see is a lot of people are addicted to the random schedules of positive reinforcement that email and other things on the internet bring, and that robs them of their time. And due to the content of this show, I give out a lot of homework where people need to reprioritize their time and their habits to consume this new information and, and learn their way through it. And this is the same sort of habit that we're trying to break with email. If we can learn how to get control over our time as individuals, then we can make time to learn things like these useful methods that, uh, that we kind of you know share with the audience. Yes, as you mentioned before, that one of the ways to get addicted to anything is random positive reinforcement, which is what email and social pinging and all that stuff is, is doing for people. And most people are living in, in, oh, I don't want to miss anything mode. I don't want to miss anything. And this might be important. This might be critical. This might be something I need to see. And this might be. And so they're constantly checking. They're constantly checking about all that stuff. And that's a huge distraction. If you zeroed out your backlog every 24 hours, maybe 48 max, then a part of you doesn't have to keep doing that. Yeah, look, I'll get to it. I, it, it. It's in my system. I will get to it when I'm in get getting to it modality. And in getting to it modality, then I can then sit down and I'm ready to now process my in-basket to zero. So when I'm not doing anything else, I'm cleaning up because there's a surprise coming toward me I can't see. And when that thing hits, man, the last thing I want is any kind of a backlog, uh, you know, hanging onto my psyche. So if I'm not sure exactly what I should be doing, clean a drawer, clean up your hidden basket, clean up any kind of backlog of unprocessed stuff so that you're as close as you can be to be fully present. Uh, so it, then you can evaluate the new thing, the surprise, the unplanned stuff against a really total gestalt. If I've got 300 unprocessed emails and I get surprised, that's called an interruption. And you get angry at the world for disturbing your well-organized life. If I've got zero emails and I get a surprise, I go, hey, a new, a new opportunity to influence my world. Let me see if that's more important than any of the other things that I should be doing right now. So it, it, it makes me, I got a full team then in my head that can then make decisions about, okay, you know, where do we, where do we organize our committee right now? Where do we put our focus right now? And if you've got a big backlog or a lot of unprocessed stuff, that's almost impossible to be able to do. You'll be driven by latest and loudest. Well, I've heard you speak in the past about the term open loops. And if you have all these open loops, these open tasks that you haven't uh, done anything with and you don't have a method to do anything with them, that creates a, a polarity of all this un, unprocessed stuff in your head that creates cognitive dissonance. It creates learned helplessness. There's all these situations that I see plaguing our, our culture in America. So it's, you know, how do we learn our way out of these things? And one of these, you know, the methods is how do you manage your time? How do you process the unknown and actually make it something productive? So now that we recognize that we need a tool for managing our life or time management or productivity or whatever nomenclature people would like to hang on it, uh, let's jump into the fray of the battle and actually say that we're surrounded by uh, an office full of stuff and we're overwhelmed and we can't be productive and I can't even take a phone call right now and my voicemail is full. Take uh, the audience just through a sample steps. Don't give away any of your golden secrets because that's what you want people to consult and keep you keep you writing books. But the idea is uh, it's a general process that I think is very simple and basic and you, you had to be a rocket scientist to discover this and surprisingly no one else had described it this way so kudos. Well, come on, I'll give you this, I'll give you the secrets. It's pretty simple. Get anything that's potentially meaningful out of your head and around your environment, collect it into one place, 
sooner than later decide what exactly those things mean to you in terms of outcomes and actions. Organize the results in appropriate categories so that you can step back and reflect and review your multiple horizons of commitments at any point in time and then trust your heart or your intuitive judgment call about what you do at any point in time. That's the whole game. So what it looks like, that may sound like motherhood or apple pie or easy to do or hard to do, what it would really look like to answer your question would be if I walked in to work with anybody and what I do is like look around and go, hey, what are all the things that you have attention on right now? What's not on cruise control? What's not on cruise control is stuff lying around your office that doesn't belong there permanently. Things on your desk, things in your desk, things under your desk, things in the corner of the office, anything there. And we don't tell people what's incomplete or what their open loops are. We just ask, hey, you got any attention on this? Oh, yeah, I need to. Okay, well, just throw, we just gather all that stuff and throw it all in the end basket. And then once we get all the physical triggers, because the physical triggers is, is, is a pretty obvious one right away. You know, pull out your wallet. Anything that doesn't belong in there permanently, throw it in your end basket. Anything in your briefcase right now. And I've gone home with CEOs before because they had so much attention on their personal life that it's sort of fallen out of control that we had to gather it all there too. It doesn't matter whether it's personal, professional, anything that's got your attention, we need, to, we need to get that inventory captured. And so that looks like just gathering physically, just throw it all in, your, in an in basket and then empty your head. You know, once you get all the physical stuff, anything else in your mind that may not be represented in that stack, oh yeah, I need to get in touch with, oh, that's right, I got it. Oh, you know, I ought to, and would you grab all that? Now that takes one to six hours for most professionals to actually just gather all the stuff that they actually have attention on and where they put their attention that's not complete yet, that they can't let go of or that's not on cruise control. So that's quite a process just in and of itself. So that'll take, you know, half a day or however long it takes. I've taken as little as 30 minutes and as long as, as, you know, three days truly to just collect all that stuff. So, um, then you can't just leave it there. That's, that's why this is a holistic process. You can't just do that. If you do that, now you just got a bunch of piles. Now you got a bunch of lists and then you have compulsive list makers. They've got lists everywhere. They've got, you know, post-its on their screen. They've got stuff all over the place. That won't help either because if you don't then move to the next couple of phases of processing and organizing, then the stuff will creep back up into your psyche because you won't have a trusted place. You know, he says, yeah, but you're not looking at the list or it's under a pile there or whatever. So once we get the piles, then we need to reduce the piles to zero. And that doesn't mean finish all those things. It does mean decide what they are. And that's where we go through, then we have one at a time. What is that thing? You know, here's something in my end basket right now. My wife put in there. Oh, what is this? You know, so I have to pick it up and say, okay, what is it? What's the action required? And then, you know, once I make that decision, and by the way, those, of you, those, those, those people looking at this right now, if you go through that process, if you get nothing more than the two-minute rule, if you haven't built that habit into your life already, that's worth the price of admission, worth listening to Richard and me for an hour if, just to get the two-minute rule. The two minute rule simply says, look, if the action item on this thing takes less than two minutes, do it right then. If I'm ever going to do it at all, because it'll take you longer to stack it, track it and look at it again than to finish it when it's in your face to begin with. And so that's where you're really starting to build in Teflon called don't let this stuff lie around. You know, make a make a decision. It, what is it? What am I going to do with it? And what's the action step required for it? And that's the process. And that process is, is a pretty simple one. Uh, though most people avoid those decisions until the heat on that, whatever this thing is, forces me to have to decide on it. But deciding right on the front end then makes that available to me as an action to do in my inventory of all the actions that are going to move forward to close these loops and to you know, move the needle about my life. So I need to make that decision. So 
first is capture. Then I need to go through each one and decide, is it actionable, yes or no? If it's not, I toss it, pickle it for later review or file it as reference. And if it is actionable, then I say, what's the very next action on it? And is there some project I need to capture about this? If the one action is not gonna finish whatever it is. So I then need to determine to be appropriately engaged with this. If it is a project, I need to have a project list somewhere where I keep track of this project. What's the next action? And I need to track both of those until this thing gets completed. So that's where you generate the pop, what needs to populate your organization system. Outcomes I need to keep track of and be reminded of consistently. Action items I need to be reminded of so that I have the opportunity to be able to execute on these things easily when I'm in the context to do that. As well as what are the things I'm waiting for? What are the things I can delegate to other people? So there's a lot of just good executive decision making that goes on when you actually empty your in-basket. That's actually a lot of what your work is, is defining what your work is in the in-basket. So the third thing is you need to then organize that. So you can't leave that just with these decisions made without keeping track of it. If I decide this is a phone call I need to make to my bank and I can't make the phone call right now, I didn't need to track, okay, here's a phone call I need to make and I need to track that reminder. And that's why uh, the organization phase comes in as phase three. It's not the first thing to do because organization, if I'm trying to organize this but I haven't decided this is a phone call I need to make, I'll avoid looking at this because I know there's a decision about it I haven't made yet. Most people's organization are simply incomplete lists of still unclear things. You know, and that, that, that then they start avoiding looking at because they know there's thinking and decision making they haven't done yet. They don't be, want to be reminded of that. Well, and I so think a lot of I think a lot of people do this all implicitly, and I think a lot of people have really great ideas. And I notice that without a capture method, without a notepad beside their bed for those thoughts that wake you up and say, "I have a good idea," if you don't make a habit out of starting to capture and get that output going, uh, you're you're kind of still lost afterwards. But I noticed after a couple years of doing that. I found it very productive. I was getting great ideas. And then I started thinking, I don't want to roll over and write that down. I'll just remember it. And when I'm having coffee at my desk tomorrow morning, I will you know, remember that message. And that's worked very effectively. And then what I learned was that as a function of doing those habits, it's no longer necessary to wake up in the middle of the night because I'm getting all the relevant thoughts and planning and organizing out during the day. And I sleep like a log. And so I know you can't advertise, you know, read this book and sleep like a log because people get the wrong idea, but it's an effective uh, tool. It contains effective tactics. And I think a lot of those tactics are around the building of habits. So I just wanted to add this quote to this very interesting discussion. This is from William James, and it's a quote about habit. It says, habit is thus the enormous flywheel of society. It's most precious conservative agent. It alone is what keeps us all within the bounds of ordinance and saves the children of fortune from the envious uprisings of the poor. So would you be just so kind as to describe the power of habit? I know it's not your book, but I know that it's, it blends right in symbiotically, and I think a lot of people who have studied the nature of habit would find it useful in grasping on to getting things done. Well, I think it was Alfred North Whitehead who had a fabulous quote that, that thinking should be... Uh, saved reserved for special moments like the cavalry charge you know where you, you you save it for special moments so whatever you can build in so you don't have to constantly keep thinking and you can build in these habits that allow your mind to be able to relax knowing that it's going to do these behaviors that 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 well, then then it then it saves your mental energy your thinking energy for real decisions you need to make and the real energy you need 
So I know you mentioned The Power of Habit. Charles Duhigg's a big champion of my stuff. It's a fabulous book, by the way. And, uh, you know, I, that book was worth its weight in gold just for the idea of a keystone habit. What is a habit that if I shift this little habit, it's going gonna, it's gonna to knock dominoes down of a lot of other things. Maybe it's putting on your exercise gear when you first wake up in the morning, like it was for him. In this case, the habit of emptying your in-basket, getting that to zero, once you get that as a habit, there's still a bunch of stuff I resist, like the plague. I teach this stuff, but come on, I resist making action decisions. I resist doing all kinds of things. But because I have the habit of getting my end basket to zero, that forces me to do a lot of other stuff. If I said, you know, if I said, okay, David, I'd like you to go tackle 43 decisions about stuff you need to do today. Ah, you know what? No. Hey, David, go empty your in-basket. Those 43 things are in that in-basket. And so by the, by the time I get to the bottom, I will have actually done those things that I would have thought were much harder to begin with. So building in habits like keeping stuff out of your head, emptying your in-basket, making next action decisions about things when they're on your mind. Phew, those things are real keystone habits because they then start to impact a lot of other things that then you don't have to work on so much because it will automatically be handled. It sounds so simple, right? <laughs> <laughs> it is. Easy? Yeah, well, as easy as it is to change habits. See, uh, uh, Richard, I think the, 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 the problem most people have is control is probably the biggest addiction to the human psyche. You know, the need for control. The fear of being out of control is probably the greatest human fear. And so I think people keeping all kinds of stuff in their head as a, as a, as an, as a way to try to get control, but it's a very ineffective way to do that. So everybody thinks, if I keep it all in here, I don't want to write it all down because then it'll be really out of control and it's feeling so vulnerable to begin with. And what they don't realize is that keeping it all in your head is what's throwing it out of control. So there's kind of a paradoxical thing that you have to, you have to step through. That's why I said this is much like the martial arts or learning the banjo or learning the tango or anything else, the initial moves feel very awkward and very unnatural and very unnecessary until you do them a thousand times. Then you say there is no better, more efficient and effective way to move. So a lot of this called keep everything out of your head feels unnatural and unnecessary and awkward until you start to really catch how powerful that really is. So people have to step through those kinds of, uh, I think that's the barrier to entry to doing a lot of this, is because it seems like that's unnecessary and it's gonna feel awkward to, sit, you know, to take every single email if it's not the most important thing in your world and sit there and make it and say, wait a minute, is that reference, is that trash? What are you gonna do with that? And actually making these kinds of decisions about things before the heat on them forces you to. That's a big habit change. And getting yourself to make decisions about stuff is, again, something that people can train themselves to do. You can actually train yourself to do it pretty rapidly. So it is simple. These are very simple behaviors. And the kind of paradoxical idea here is that these are behaviors everybody's already doing. It's not like they have to learn some new skill. It's not like a, a foreign language or a new technology people have to learn. They're already writing things down. They're already I making action decisions. They're already using lists for calendars and things like that. So these are, these are not foreign you know behaviors well i think there's a certain power and identification what you're saying is it's it's overwhelming until we name it until we define it and and ask it a few questions that ties back into the two minute rule about getting things done and if you're going to open on the open this email be prepared to a answer those questions otherwise you're wasting your time you're going to end up looking at it again and, and it's it's running these threads down to a single thread you look at it you deal with it it's done and it's it saves you all those repetition times so that's where the time savings comes from 
I think overall for me, the most important things are that you have to have a capture habit. You have to treat your mind as a stateless system. Your mind is not for remembering. It's for processing and creativity and all the other things that you're good at. And getting things down and processing them and figuring out the next steps and automating as much as possible is the system and the essence of getting things done. So looking to do a lot more of that going forward. Uh, this is very much not automated. I am still trying to figure out a better workflow for this. But if you're enjoying it, then that's part of the goal done and that makes it all the better for it. So thanks for sticking along and have a wonderful start to the year.